0: the Gospel according to Matthew. Immediately after feeding the crowds, Jesus made the disciples get into a boat and go ahead to the other side, while Jesus dismissed the crowds. And after he did dismiss the crowds, Jesus went up the mountain by himself to pray. When evening came, Jesus was there alone, but by that time, The boat, battered by the waves, was far from the land, because the wind was against them. And early in the morning, Jesus came walking towards them on the lake. But when the disciples saw him walking on the lake, they were terrified and said, It's a ghost! And they cried out in fear. But immediately, jesus spoke to them and said take heart i am do not be afraid now peter answered jesus lord if it is you command me to come to you on the water jesus said come So Peter got out of the boat and started walking on the water and came towards Jesus. But when he noticed the strong wind, he became became frightened and began to sink. He cried out, Lord, save me. And Jesus immediately reached out his hand and caught Peter, saying to him, you of little faith. Why do you doubt? Then they got into the boat. The wind ceased. And those in the boat worshiped him, saying, Truly you are the Son of Man, the Son of God. The Gospel of the Lord. So this week, The new exodus continues. Here, Jesus leads the new crossing of the sea. No need to part the waters that drowned and batter. Jesus rises above the waters, walks on the waters. This is good news for us, but not in a way that makes us spectators. Like Mary from the kids' message, the gift is a calling. The calling comes from beyond us and also wells up from within us, submissive and daring. Lord, if it is you, command me to come to you on the water. And what does Jesus say? Come. One word yes an affirmation of you your desire your yearning for true freedom your god-given compassion and power the contemplative teacher james finley says here is the one who sustains the entire universe who gives of themselves to give you your next breath, who created all that is in order to be in communion with you. How can we be anything but humbled and yet never humiliated, emboldened without recklessness? With such long-suffering hope, Christ has waited And with such loving joy, Christ says, Come. Come. Maybe you can see in Mary's story that that inner revelation that's fulfilled in an external revolution. I mean, it's kind of just like what Reverend Angel Coyote Williams says. That love and justice are not two, but instead, without inner change, there can be no outer change. And without collective change, no change matters. Of course, Peter stumbles. Scholar Warren Carter puts it this way. Peter trusted the waves and the wind more to sink him than he trusted Jesus' word to empower him. To walk on the water. His little faith meant that he was distracted and overwhelmed. Peter will not have learned this lesson, Warren Carter says, by the time of Jesus' death, when again Peter focuses on the opposing forces rather than on Jesus' power. For Matthew, this is faith relying on Jesus's word, despite opposition. Trust Jesus. I mean, here is no fat figment of your imagination, but the very source of reality, the source of love. It may, what's funny about Peter's sense of calling was that it didn't come from Jesus. I mean, sort of, but not really. I mean, it bubbled up from inside him. When he he saw and heard the promise that this was Jesus on the water, the desire rose up within him. He is the one who suggested that Jesus should call him out onto the waters. You know, the neurologist, And psychiatrists and Holocaust survival. Hello? Oh, okay. Trust Jesus. Here is no figment of your imagination, but the very source of reality, the source of love. I mean, notice the way that Peter's call came to him wasn't from Jesus. I mean, it was, but it wasn't. I know, mean, when he saw Jesus and heard the promise that it was Jesus on the water, the desire rose up from within him. And Peter was the one who suggested to Jesus if it is you, call me out on the water with you. It's our own desires. It's through our own voice that Jesus speaks to us. Trust, trust, trust. And even though it's hard and there is much to distract and overwhelm many dangers, a neurologist and psychiatrist and Holocaust survivor. Victor Frankl put it this way what is to give light must endure burning like the burning bush which burns but is not consumed purifies and empowers but does not destroy this fire Jesus walking on the water is Jesus rising from the tomb Here is Jesus' transfiguration before the transfiguration, and perhaps more powerful for being here, not up on a mountaintop, but down here in the storm with the churn and evil and danger. It's as if the cross and resurrection are here superimposed, this impossible place is where faith lives. I and mean, I remember as a boy uh, the Pentecostal preacher at our tiny little church who was greeting people after worship. How are you? He asked the man in line in front of us. And the man said, well under the circumstances I'm doing okay. And the preacher said, what are you doing under the circumstances?" He said it with his typical big warm grin. What are you doing under the circumstances? I have wrestled with that question for 30 years. I mean, the shallow meaning is, look on the bright side. The cruel meaning is, I don't care enough to help you bear your pain. I don't have the courage to give myself to your healing. The deeper encouragement, the truth is, there is one with the loving power to raise you above your circumstances until you too become a walking miracle. Why do you act like there isn't? Don't be a spectator Christian, someone who wants the comfort of the label, but without the real holy risk. Jesus became a walking miracle, so you could walk that way too. I mean, Peter didn't have this all figured out in the moment, but he got it well enough to step out of the boat. How many steps did Peter have to take on the water before he also became a walking miracle? So what if he sank? No one who loves Peter and knows the Lord could call that a failure. It is what it is, a first step, a miracle in itself. What are you doing under the circumstances? Go toward the calling that terrifies you. By the time you hear this sermon, there will be a new bishop, a bishop-elect in the southeastern Iowa Synod. As I record this, that election is in the future. Bishop Burke is retiring, and I don't yet know who will be elected, but I do know the the 10 people, and perhaps even more, who will offer themselves as candidates. I admire their courage. Six years ago, before I knew you, Bishop Burke's first term ended, so there was a bishops' election. I was nominated. The first ballot is, is called a nominating ballot. Voters can write in any pastor's name, and a few people wrote in my name. And I had to decide. Would I leave my name on the second ballot? I talked to people I trusted. I talked to Sarah. I knew that the answer of my heart was yes, stay in this election. But I was afraid. I mean, for one, I respected Bishop Burke, and more than once, I had to rely on him. I was afraid that he would take offense. I mean, Also, I was afraid of making a fool of myself. There was that, who do you think you are, voice. And so with my heart in my throat, I said, yes, I will stand for election. And so with Bishop Burke, I was one of six to make a speech before the whole assembly. And guess what? All of my fears did not come true. And probably you guessed, I was not elected. I mean, saying yes meant agreeing to at least one sleepless night. But then again, if I had said no, I'm not sure I would have slept any better shrinking ourselves down into small boxes means agreeing to many sleepless nights while also agreeing to forget why we are so haunted it's not a ghost though the disciples also thought it was a ghost but it was jesus come to save us impossible as always. So fast forward to the recent past. Many of my colleagues expected that I would participate in this bishop's election. Some even hoped I would, <laughs> and for a long time I thought I would too. I prayed about it. I kept talking to Sarah and other people, and for a long time I heard God telling me, this is your decision to make. I will support you. And then, about a year ago, I started getting suspicious. Is this a temptation or a call? Would participating in the bishop's election be about status, control, popularity? Or would it really be God's true call? to me. I remember the exact moment I got clear. And it's been scary too, especially at first, but for the last nine months, I've been telling everyone who's asked, no, if I am nominated, I will withdraw. I'm still deeply engaged in the future of this synod, just not as a candidate for bishop. You know, both the yes and the no were the next impossible step. And then again, if they weren't, if they were me just sinking down even further, Jesus has certainly reached out his hand to save me. And you too, you also step into your greatness when you take the next impossible step towards Jesus. It doesn't have to be big. It's just the next step. And what a storm we are in right now. The pandemic is worse here in the United States than in any other country. A quarter of global cases and global deaths are here. There's the economic crisis wrapped up with it, and the the crisis of racial and economic justice wrapped up in it, the, the political crisis. Take the next impossible step. The wind and the waves cannot sink you. Your doubt and your distraction cannot drown you because of Jesus. <clears throat> the one who awakened within you the desire, the one who called you onto the water, is always within reach. The next impossible step leaves behind the illusion of control, the need for mastery, the lie of perfection, the foolish idea that we need to know where we are going before we start. Like every step, the next step is toward a conscious acceptance of our utter dependency and Christ's utter trustworthiness and infinite love. Don't just believe in the resurrection, live it. Thanks be to God.